Welcome to your weekly Social Jack Influence Factory. Introducing your coaches, Dean Delisle, Kate Hassett, and Jackson Delisle. Look at that. Who are those people? What's happening, gang? <laughs> hey. Hello. Hey, that, that worked out pretty good, didn't it? Yeah. Nice job. Nice job, everybody. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> so I'm assuming you can see my screen okay. There you go. Okay. Yep. So welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Influence Factory, uh, where you are here to build your influence, and we're here to bring you uh, news and uh, uh, short lessons and also special guests that uh, are used to actually build that influence. And so a lot of you are listening live to us uh, through the GoToWebinar platform, uh, some on your computer, some in your conference room, some on your mobile app devices, because you know there's a mobile app, and then as well, some uh, are just dialed into the uh, conference line. So just wanna welcome all of you that are live, and remember, you cannot ask too many questions throughout the program. Jackson, we, uh, we also um, broadcast this after the fact on several podcast channels. Can you give us a rundown of that real quick? Yes, so we broadcast to SoundCloud, and from there, we go to Google Play, iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, and that is it. So then, well, well, then we put the video on YouTube. So there you go. So there's no excuse. We're we're here to help you learn along the way. And if you have any requests, let let us know that. And then Kate, they can join us on social media. How? Yeah, absolutely. Connect with us on, of course, we're on LinkedIn and Facebook, but we're tweeting live during the show. So follow us at Get Social Jack. Use the hashtag Influence Factory. Looks like Lori is already on with her snacks and ready to take notes. So uh, <laughs> join us, ask your questions there. And Brian told us before the show, he loves to answer your questions. So make sure you get him in. Yeah, anything on infographics today, this is a special show. So we want to yes. make sure we uh, get those questions answered. So don't forget to turn off your cell phone, any other distractions that you have, unless we have you reference your cell phone. Uh, or do we call it a smartphone now? Do we still call it a cell phone? I don't know. Uh, tune in and you'll learn something uh, quickly for sure. So uh, if you've uh, joined us, <clears throat> I know Lori is so excited about it. Good folks. She says pocket computers. <laughs> I know, well, pocket computers, right? Um, so uh, real quick, uh, we always want you to uh, start engagement. We have a lot of people still joining, but you'll know that if you engage with us and ask questions, like Lori already has three in the queue here, um, that you will win prizes at the end. And so we give out Starbucks gift cards and we've been known to give out special surprise prizes at the end. So uh, please engage with us. So we always ask a question of the day. So the question today is who is your favorite? And you can only pick one. Who is your favorite comedian? Who is your favorite comedian? Hey, Kate, we'll go to you first. People type that into the questions area now. You always go to me first. I love Amy Schumer. She's vulgar. I know she's vulgar, but I like that she's just kind of like a plain girl who's really funny. I just, <coughs> you know, not saying I'm really funny, but I connect with that. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. Well, sometimes dorky. Ah, I got you first. Okay, so, so Jackson, what about you? One, pick one. I agree with, uh, okay, so there's two that just came in, John Mulaney and Robin Williams from uh, Roger said Robin Williams, which is great. He's my favorite of all time. Current would be John Mulaney, 
if that's it's two different categories. Lori so. picked John Mulaney too. Man, I, we all love John Mulaney. He's a Chicago guy. He's from Chicago, and a lot of his uh, a lot of his jokes are based in you know Chicago and him growing up here, and it's awesome. I I think he's hilarious. So everything. Julie loves uh, George Carlin. Oh my gosh, that guy broke all the rules. Uh, oh, and uh, Jimmy Z love uh, Stephen Colbert, and Nancy uh, Reed likes uh, Tina Fey. Um, and like, uh, I think we said a lot of John, John Mulaney would win this. Although I am a Jerry Seinfeld fan. So I go back, yeah. I could, I could, I, when I'm flipping around <clears throat> and I just need a go-to or something in the background, I can watch Seinfeld all the time. So anyway, <laughs> uh, and then, uh, Shirley's uh, back with us. Good to see you, Shirley. Uh, and then everyone. All right. Um, oh yeah. Comedians in cars. That's a, that's a good show. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. As we digress, uh, building your influence through comedy. There you go. Get some good ideas. Just make sure it's appropriate. Okay. So Social Jack members, we always want to welcome you in. And uh, for being members, we always give you great discounts. But more importantly, there's a ton of education. There's over 350 lessons on the Social Jack platform. And uh, there's also been enhancements to the social social selling courses, which you know you've seen marketed are hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So please take advantage of those as you're uh, as being a member. And then you can see there's all kinds of tip sheets and forms. And Kate, you built a whole bunch of cool influencer marketing forms, sample contracts. All those have been uploaded. So let's make sure you guys get in there and get what you need to be successful. Don't be shy. Uh, we'll talk about some discounts here in a minute that all of you will get. So this is super cool. So if you're in the financial sector, M&A sector, join us at the 2018 Summer Conference here in Chicago, July 17th through 19th. We will be broadcasting, uh, streaming live from that show. So if you have any interest in following what's going on in the M&A space, please tune into that. <clears throat> also, our Influence Factory event, network, Chicago networking event is almost filled. So Jimmy Z, everybody that's within our voice, uh, Jackson is going to send out the link right now. You have to register yourself. But look in the upper right-hand corner, SJ100. We have a limited size for our studio audience. And we're going to have a panel on how to rock and roll your next event with influencer marketing. So we're going to talk about mobile. We're going to talk about social. We're going to talk about tactics. We're going to talk about strategy. So uh, make sure you get that. And then everybody gets a free promo video for whatever you want to promote. We will coach you through it and we'll shoot those videos live there. But we can only hold 50 people in the room. And then if you want to join online, if you can't make it to Chicago, uh, there's unlimited. Well, there's about a thousand seats online available. So SJ100 and then Jackson, you just sent that link up. Yep. Okay. So we hope to see you all there. So no excuses. You guys are the ones that get the uh, free code. <clears throat> all right. A couple other quick events. Blockchain virtual event coming up. Uh, let's see. Tuesday, July 24th from 1230 to 430. That's all virtual. We'll make sure uh, you guys get notified on that. Wealth Tech is coming up for financial advisors Thursday, June 28th, uh, 1245 to 630 p.m. with lots of good networking. But we're also going to virtualize that where we're going to stream that event. So please pay attention because we'll have a special promo code, whether you're coming live or you're streaming in. So please, uh, please watch for that. And that one is uh, hosted at Morningstar headquarters here in Chicago, and they can only hold 200 people here. Again, a thousand people online. SMSS Social Media Strategy Summit virtual event is Thursday, August 14th. 
from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. That's a little long there, Jackson. So that's not what that's I think uh, 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. So it's only four hours. <clears throat> so we'll make a note on that. They were switching dates and times on us. So I think yeah. uh, even we got a little confused. All right. We always like to bring some good news. OK, so in the world of good news. We have, uh, we're going to talk here real quick about how to research keywords for social media marketing. We know how important, you've all taken the lessons, how important social media marketing is. Go for it. Yeah, I really like this article because uh, not only do they give you a list of great tools that we've heard of before on the podcast, uh, especially Google Analytics, which was <clears throat> last week with Andy Crestedonia. And we also have in the beginning of the article, they tell you the two key tips. You need to know your audience before you can even choose what keywords you want to use. You need to know who you're marketing to. Another thing is uh, your, your key niche topics. So that's, that's another thing. So that will lead to you picking your best keywords and then running them through these uh, researching tools to make sure that people are using them and people are, it's going to gain you traffic. So here's a list of the ones that they talk about in here. Google Analytics, which we had Andy talk about last week. And it's a, it, you can monitor the success of your campaigns. And that's through SEO and not only the major social media platforms, but also on your website and your website traffic. So that's a really cool one for that. Then you got underneath that uh, for a super stat. This one's a multi-purpose uh, marketing platform that, it offers, uh, you know, a powerful keyword research oh. where you can go through and research the different keywords. Uh, talking about, you know, uh, grouping them together. And uh, th this one's really cool. I, I was checking it out earlier today. And, yeah, th this one's really cool. Yeah, for I, like, uh, I like clustering. We haven't gotten into that recently, but the keyword clusters. So uh, we should probably do a segment mm -hmm. on that coming up for everybody because a lot of things have changed in keyword clustering, especially yeah. with LinkedIn now going to keywords. Um, so, and then uh, BuzzSumo oh yeah, yeah. we featured on here before too. Yeah, that. so those were the traditional marketing tools for keyword research. Now this, we're getting into the social media keyword research tools with yeah. BuzzSumo. We heard a lot about that at Social Media Strategy Summit if you were at that or if you, uh, you know, have we're on the webcast after the fact we talked about it a lot so buzzsumo is really cool because you can monitor your keywords that you're using examine the strategies of your competitors and that's really cool too because you can see what they're doing what's working what's not working and then tweak your marketing strategy in order to be more successful in using those keywords yeah you can also segment by type of content per keyword if you want to get that to that level so yeah. jackson we got about another 20 seconds on this. yeah and then uh for the for keyhole that one's really cool that one is uh just a basic keyword search tool and it shows you related keywords as well if you scroll up yeah right there so that one is very similar to the one we've talked about before hashtagify me and the rest of the articles will be on the app.socialjack.com where you can go in and you can view all of the things we talked about as well as the thing uh brian will talk about in a little bit and you, you can subscribe to the podcast right in there so make sure to check that out afterwards okay Perfect back stuff. To, All right, back good. Back to Kate in the field. <laughs> back to Kate in the field. <laughs>
<laughs> I love it. That was concise. He just wrapped it up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Go for it. Awesome. Well, mine's not as long, um, but really good article that you definitely want to check out. It's your social media cleanup checklist. So Dean touches on this a lot during different lessons that we need to give our social medias a spring cleaning, especially when we're dealing with these clients going through our influencer development program. This is the first thing we do. Take a look at their social media, clean it up as best we can, and make sure that it's all concise across the board. Everything consistent. is consistent. Exactly. So um, it, it, it says a couple things high level that you should be doing, auditing your profile, checking for the admin settings, um, the security settings. One thing that I realized not long ago was that I have my settings on Facebook to where I have to approve all my tags, but I don't get the notifications. So when I went in there, I had notifications that you had tried to tag me in things or Social Jack had tried to tag me in things from like months ago that I never noticed. So really good reason to be checking up on these settings and making sure everything is consistent and up to date um obviously that's what i think i think i asked you are you socially mad at me because i couldn't tag you <laughs> <for things? laughs> yes my settings were socially mad at you. You were, you were blocked. Nothing can be tagged. Um, and then as we're making things consistent, you know, we want to put those keywords that we just talked about into our social media, especially LinkedIn to optimize it. And, you know, your brand changes and then all these changes with LinkedIn with the banners and the settings. So you just want to make sure everything looks really good across the board. Um, one thing it didn't talk about that I we talked about earlier is how often you should be doing this and Dean kind of your input was quarterly you should be looking at things like your keywords and what your oh, auditing, profile audit, looks yeah, like auditing profiles and images and all that I think it's a quarterly type thing yeah. um, and then I think um, you know responding to private messages posting consistently use visual media which we'll talk about here in a minute um, is, is just all the time. So some of this feels a little like there should be a timing chart on here. So we're going to beg uh, Brian when he comes on to redo this one. Uh, uh, in a in a little different format. So. Absolutely. And that, that's my best advice. I'd say the things high level up on here, the one through six, everything from your admin settings to your bio, those should be quarterly, like you had said, but then the keywords and the linking to profiles and the tagging settings and the visual media, you should really be looking at those all the time. So right. um, really good article. Check it out. It's from uh, Castle Ford and see how it uh, applies to you. Which if you're in Chicago, Castle Ford is actually a Ford dealership, which is funny. I thought initially they were just sort of putting an ad at the bottom here, but I guess they also uh, have a social media company. So or it's different. So anyway, there <laughs> you go. Different. Right on. All right. So we're going to do a quick poll here, do a quick lesson where we're going to get our guest on uh, here super quick. So um if you want us to put you on the waiting list, I'm going to go ahead and launch this poll uh, so you guys can see that. And so our quick lesson today while you're clicking on the poll here. So if you want to get on a waiting list for uh, our develop influencer development and marketing program, social streaming and video monetization uh, program that's coming up, uh, personal professional branding, that one always sells out quick. And then LinkedIn social selling. And most of these are going to be streamed for free. And if you want to meet us here in Chicago, there will be a small charge uh, to get in the room. Um, but of course, you'll have discounts as Social Jack members. So uh, one of the things we're going to talk about with Brian is infographics. And one of the things that is 
always overlooked is the fact that LinkedIn has always given you the capability as long with, uh, along with some of your other social media profiles, but LinkedIn specifically has given you the capability to put media on your profile. So let's go ahead and close out this poll. Uh, items are noted. <clears throat> so if you look at my screen here, so let's go ahead and do this. Uh, real quick, if you go to my profile, You'll notice even with the new profile and the picture on the left, which we covered a few weeks ago, there's a reformatting. So now what they're doing is they're showing you all of your media at the bottom. So they went from two lines on the profile to uh, three lines and a couple of characters on the profile, but they also have your media up at the top. So you need to now show off your media. So whether you have infographics, you have PowerPoint decks, videos, all this stuff, now is the time and you should have at least enough to fill this. So I say five or six pieces, you all have a ton of content, get that on your profiles. It is now becoming the number two thing viewed besides your picture. So uh, make sure you um, uh, take a look at that uh, right away. So uh, super cool stuff. All right, well, let's get back to our uh, guest today. So Real quick, uh, I want to introduce our guest, uh, Brian Wallace, infographic expert, over 2,000 infographics. I'm like, man, how did he do that? Uh, he's been featured in the New York Times, Forbes, and Mashable. Uh, old school rap expert, uh, office ping pong champion, which I've already challenged him uh, in when he gets to Chicago. Bagel connoisseur, crypto futurist, and champion Pokemon trainer. So I want to welcome on uh, Brian um, Welcome to the program. Come on, uh, come on down, as they say. I think isn't that the Price is Right, or something like that. That is the Price is Right. Thank you so much, <laughs> Pleasure to be here. <laughs> pleasure, pleasure to have you. Yeah, yeah, you're you're now my my new New York friend who's in Cincinnati. So <laughs> that's me. Yeah, there's always a game of where's Brian. Yep. Right. I totally hear that. Yeah. On. So um. So what's interesting here is uh. You know the old school rap expert. I think I don't know. Is that you know I always get confused a little bit because I think I'm, I'm more hip hop. You know like Hammer Time and all that stuff. Not to date myself, but so you know yep. there was always there was this transition of hip hop to rap. So can you enlighten me on that? I was thinking about that after we were talking ahead of time. But like, what's where does it transition? That's a really good question. I think you're on the right spot where I, I think that if you call it hip hop, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> I think that's a good way to say it. If you're okay. just going straight into violence and auto tuning, you probably missed some of the earlier established stuff. And it's pretty funny because like, you know, I usually just wear like black and white and I look like just some straight lace guy. Like why would you even know like hip hop or rap at all? I remember this past uh, South by Southwest, I was actually at a party and um, there was a, an up and coming rapper that's like sitting there and like he's in this back room. I'm talking to a friend of mine and they're like having this discussion. He's about to like be on this program. And I'm like, oh, guys, are we like interrupting you or anything? They're like, no, no, it's good. It's nice to have like background conversation. And then they start talking about it. And then the guy who's like producing the thing and he's recording the thing, he's looking at me. And I'm like, what, do you want like my opinion? And then I go on like this five minute rant. I'm like, you know, the rap of today, it's like, it's just all about violence. I don't understand what everybody's coming about. And, you know, if you look at like some of the old school and, you know, some of the hip hop stuff that you would probably be thinking like the Run DMCs and I mentioned like Slick right. Rick and how like, you know, in one song, like Slick Rick established like three other rappers and nobody even gives credit and all this. And like after five minutes, they were like, 
who the heck is this guy? And they're like, hey, I absolutely agree with that. So it's pretty <laughs> funny. And um, in my early days in my company, so we've been around um, this August actually makes 12 years. Yeah, congratulations got, on that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we used to be, a, instead of just being an infographic company, we actually were a social media company. So back in the day, we actually did some work for Jay-Z and some of his brands when Blueprint 2 was coming out. I don't know if you'd call that the old school uh, I think it's still definitely respected a lot of the traditions, and um, Jay has definitely brought a lot of uh, good artists into the light. So, yeah, definitely. It's, and it's funny, I'm, a, I'm an old percussionist, so I'm rock and roll guys, you know, and then once so nice. when hip hop came out, it was it was good because, you know, I could still understand the beat a little bit. You know, it was like basic mm -hmm. rock beat one, blues beat two, you know, there was always like this mix of something I could understand yeah. and relate to. Uh, which is, I think, totally. the basis of all my music, but super cool stuff. And then, um, uh, and then you really don't uh, Pokemon anymore. Actually, I still have the app on, but for uh, some reason, I know. Yeah. I just wanted to put that on there because I know you guys were just asking for like kind of quirky, interesting things. Um, I always, what's fun about my job is that I can literally like walk around office parking lots and say that like Pokemon is my research and development or whatever. <laughs> and, and it was, and I, you know, like when that was first coming out, like news agencies were like quoting me about, uh, how to do marketing within it. Uh, we talked about, you know, really being able to put together marketing assets to bring people. If you needed foot traffic, there were articles about this back in the day. I know. People were I very know. interested in it. It was amazing. And one of the things that I loved about that game, loved past tense, because it kind of got to be like a grind. I think they didn't innovate enough fast enough. So it right. really plummeted very quickly after several months. But yeah, I mean, if you think about just all the advances in virtual reality, augmented reality, you have all these things that like have the promise of tomorrow. But these guys, it's like it wasn't the most incredible interface. But when you right. turned on the AR mode and you could just kind of take pictures of all of these crazy creatures just bouncing up and down on your desk. I thought that was awesome. Right. And I, I did too, so man. I, to do. yeah. And I, and I was curious as a marketer where to go with it. So how many people in the audience actually jumped on the Pokemon bandwagon or maybe uh, had, come on, kids raise your hand. Yes. Come on. Everybody we're, admit we're, we're to it. Judging. Who did it? Come on. You were on yeah. it. Everyone in every office was doing it. You know, one of the things that I did Dean, that I think um, it wasn't just to use it as marketing, but you know how like, when you have a meeting with somebody, what are you going to do? So you're going to have like a webinar or video like we're doing. You're going to get on the phone. You're going to get on some kind of thing like that. And then, or maybe you go to coffee, you go to lunch, you go to dinner, you have some beers. And it's just like the same crap. But what we, or I mainly ended up doing was I would have Pokemon meetings with people. That's I'd cool. Like, like, you know like, what? Meetup. Like, like meetups, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. But like, in, so sometimes I would go to a city and like, we truly would have a meetup. But other times if I wanted to just have a meeting with somebody and I knew that they were, you know, that they had some level of interest in Pokemon, I'm like, you know what, like, let's go enjoy the sun. Let's go walk in the park. Let's go to a, you know, some kind of nest and like go to town and do it. So it was like, it was fun and we had a mutual interest. And it's like, it's just like a passive parallel play kind of thing that we got to do. So I thought that that was really cool. Yeah, that is, that is cool. And so you mentioned now sourcing. So a lot of us are marketers. A lot of yeah. us are business owners. Uh, we mm -hmm. we are celebrating our 15th year. You're celebrating your 12th year. And that's right. I think that's unusual in uh, in today's world. But but is it really, you know, like we were talking about, wow, you know, I can't believe it's it's been this long. But tell us a little bit, because you didn't always do infographics. So before we dig That's into right. the, the what and how of infographics, tell us a little bit of your 
you know, your sort of rise to influence? Because a lot of people that are on, I'm sure would love to be featured in New York Times, Forbes and Mashable. So, so tell us, how does that happen? What does that roadway look like? Yeah, so it's the story of working your ass off and being an overnight success <laughs> over many, many years. So for everybody who's just like, I'm going to life hack, growth hack, use these 10 simple steps, you know, do uh, a couple of naps, take some magic vitamins and, you know, rule the day overnight. Uh, nothing's that easy. And Dean, to your point, I mean, it actually is unusual. I think 70 to 80% of all businesses die within the first seven years. So for anybody right. who kind of breaks through that, is amazing. And so many businesses die because either they're too early for the market. And I find a lot of them and I, I constantly am trying to help the would-be entrepreneurs of the world. So many people don't understand there's a big, there's a huge gap between, let's say on this side, you're being a subject matter expert. And on this side over here, you're an entrepreneur and business person. Being a subject matter expert does not mean that you know how to negotiate deals, how to collect money from people, how to not get screwed on deals and all of that. And you don't, if you don't have somebody that has like a baseball bat and is willing to go to town for you, if you're not that person, if you don't have the sales skills, if you don't have the soft skills, if you don't know networking, if you don't know the art of conversation, if you don't know how to be persistent, how to be persuasive, how to be unforgettable, you're just going to be unemployed. And you know, you'll say that you're living cool and being a freelancer and you're doing the gig economy, but really you're not doing yourself any favors. Right. And you're just, working yourself to an early grave, not to get dark, but I mean, honestly, like the, the price, there's a, a wonderful piece in Inc. Magazine talking about the psychological uh, ramifications of entrepreneurship. And the writer compares entrepreneurship to like being on a lion. So it sounds really cool and impressive to be on a lion. And everybody's like, wow, look at that guy. He's on a lion. That's amazing. <laughs> so you and I are like, how did I get on this lion? And how am I not going to die tomorrow? Right? Like we're just sitting there in the fetal position. Please don't eat me, Mr. Lion. So I mean, people have to understand the harsh truths and realities of that. You know? Right. Yeah, that's so, crazy. So let's, yeah, let's get into some of my past. So I'm originally from Brooklyn. I don't sound like it because I grew up in the suburbs where we're taught a nice uh, non-regional dialect where we're all, I think, trained to be the weatherman <laughs> throughout <laughs> all the news or something. But um, I, I don't know, like New York's a little crazy. And after a while, I really didn't want to be in that grind anymore. So my undergrad, I did everything from some neuroscience and like game theory and political science, computer science. I eventually just graduated with a bunch of different degrees. Uh, I have a bunch of other uh, useless advanced degrees and MBA and information systems and a master's in information technology and all that. So I've definitely done a lot of the tech route. Um, my first job out of college was actually for the government, kind of like being like government liaison in tech. But um, I graduated in 99, so I really wanted to kind of get in and all about that whole tech bubble, which I feel like we're in again right. with the world of crypto and blockchain. But we can get to that later. So uh, on my journeys, so my next stop, I was a VP for dot-com right before all that world kind of died. And I was also like getting my MBA at the same time. And professors would let me like teach his class because everybody wanted to know my experience. And I, I kind of found that over time... I was more interested in explaining things to people because I like to talk. I'm literate. I have a nice speaking voice and people are interested in what I have to say. And I, I sound, you know, reassuring and all of that. And I don't just sound reassuring. I am reassuring. I do the work to back it up too, as does my team. So I think that along the way, as I did that, and then I went into corporate America, and then I eventually became a CTO for a small firm. I really didn't want to do tech anymore because technology sucks. 
I mean, right now, like I'm using the audio on my phone as opposed to doing it through the webinar. So you can almost count on technology working like half the time. What, what yeah. the heck, right? Like that's terrible, right? And like how many times you just restart the thing and then we hope it works, magically it works. And we go to the Apple TV Hope it doesn't go out, yeah, right. Not. Right, we, we're just praying that like, you know, please webinar gods, just allow us for the next half hour, hour to just, you know, educate our audience instead of just going blank. I always, uh, I, I always said the biggest joke uh, Bill Gates has is secretly we're all still running on DOS somewhere. <laughs> of course we are. And you better know that you should always have that kind of in your back pocket. That's what it's all about. So it's good to have like the technical, the technical chops. But I found that over the years, nobody cares about how stuff works. They just want to have it be explained simply and to know that everything is going to be okay. So eventually I just, you know, as a CTO, I'm just like, guys, I really don't want to work here anymore. Please be my client. I'm starting my own organization. And then after that, I didn't want to be on the East Coast anymore. I feel like I can fly from Cincinnati to New York faster than some people can sit in traffic. And that's like crazy, oh, right? Oh, yeah. No, like, that's, that's, that's legit. That's, yeah, absolutely. That's not a life. So my wife and I actually had a chance to check out Louisville, Kentucky two weeks before 9-11, and we liked it. So our first step to the Midwest uh, after leaving New York was going to Louisville. We were there for the better part of like seven, eight years growing the business. Beautiful and city. Since then, that, since then, we've actually opened a second office in Cincinnati, which is where I am today and where I spend most of my time. I live in Cincinnati now, not terribly far from you. So I'll have to take you off on that ping pong at some point. So yeah, I just found that over the years, I was interested in the technical side, but I was also interested in what makes people tick and what makes people think and how to really kind of get people to understand things. And I think a lot of people, they're marching around with ideas in their head that aren't even theirs and they don't even right. know how they got there. Like, like the story of, you ever hear like the, the collective wisdom of how breakfast is the most important meal of the day? Like, how do you know that? And it's not, <laughs> it's just, it was put there by marketers in the cereal industry, like in the, 30s to just get right. your attention. It's crazy, right? So we don't even know, like the thoughts that we think are our own aren't even our own. Usually they're just somebody else's marketing messages that somehow kind of just snuck into the ether. That's scary. It I'm is, not saying yeah. that everything has to be like, you know, creepiness and forcing people into cults or something. But I think that there's a lot to be said for persuasion of marketing and a lot of the psychological parts of it to help people make better choices of things that they didn't know. So let's say you've never been to the ice cream store, right? So now you learn about like the best kind of ice cream there is. And then you learn about cones and toppings and dips and gelato and all these kinds of things. You know, that's our job as marketers to really provide people with better choices as opposed to just overtaking their mind like a lot of creepy advertising has over the years. So yeah, I've, I've kind of felt like over the years, I did not want to be just another gallon of milk, AKA a commodity. So I really have through the years tried my best to help lead industries. So we were very early on. Imagine like in 2006, you know, I would go and like talk to people and it's like, I would get laughed out of boardrooms. They'd be like, wait, yeah, you're a crazy kid. Like, yeah, sure. Uh, like yes. we're ever going to need like Facebook and Twitter and all this crap for our business. Yeah, it's right. A fad. Like, it's a fad. Ever, it's a fad. Yeah, yeah, like that'll ever work. But like a few years later, they would all call back. And like back in the day, if you all remember like dig.com and the human power to internet, I was like one of those hundred people that would power 50% of what you'd see that would reach the homepage. So like <laughs> I could crash servers at will, but eventually, I don't know, like that world kind of fell over and died and corporations kind of wanted to take it over and everybody, their mom started taking over every aspect of social. Now you have like people like they do like Instagram for famous cats 
who have lawyers and book deals and movies. And we, we, had, like, we had that. We had we were doing a we were doing a pet food campaign, and all of a sudden they yeah. said, "Well, we're going to do this event, but you got to have Frenchie the bulldog actually be." one of the speakers. I go, what? How can Frenchie the Bulldog be a speaker? They go, he's got, a, he's got 5 million followers on Instagram. I go, I don't care. But but then his owner was going to come on stage with him and speak on his, but I was just laughing. I like, how did I get in this world? I start out in financial yeah. services. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I, I actually have a, a fake cat on Twitter that has probably tens of thousands of followers. I don't understand what people like anymore. But it's, it's kind of amazing things that go viral. I don't think that the be all end all experience is to go viral. I think it's to have some of going viral or predictably viral and also to have meaning and bring yeah. good choices into people's hearts and minds. So to do it responsibly. So yeah, you know, over the years we drifted away from social and really got into infographics. I found that when we were doing it a decade ago, there were very few people on the planet doing it. And I felt like a lot of them, they didn't look that good. They didn't tell good stories. There were a lot of typos in them. You'd look at the bottom and read the sources and it would just say like Wikipedia. Come on, Wikipedia? Like that's not a source. Or if it is, like <laughs> at least say like what page it is and don't just make it yourself. So we've right. really helped make this into more of a legitimized kind of thing that's a go-to line item in people's marketing budgets, where we do everything from like the ideation, aka telling clients that their ideas are bad and maybe you might want to try our ideas because we know how to reach the media. We know how to do all of the research, all of the emotional side of it, all the storytelling, obviously the design implementation. And then we've developed lots of great press resources over the years not just bribing people or paying people under the table, not just press releases and sponsored ads and crap like that, but actually like straight up editorial, getting into places that people actually want to read. And that's the power of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so when you did that, you know, you, you know, obviously you've perfected it after doing 2000 of these things. So, oh, yeah. so the evolution was, you knew you had to, you knew there was better than what was out there. Mm -hmm. So, 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 what is what is sort of you know those of us and 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 while we're talking about this, I want people to type in right now into the questions area. If you could have the dream infographic related to your business addressing your prospects, what would it be? Just type that in now. I'm sort of curious where everybody's head is at with this. And don't forget, there's an engagement prize too. So there's a, there's a secret thing here where you guys could win. So uh, in doing this, I'm always thinking about. Wow, you know that uh, you know just like what we had today. Jackson was saying how Kate features an infographic every week because it's 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 to the point. It gives us data. It's got reliable sources. It checks out. But what's your? How do you come up with? How did you get to two thousand? And how do you come up with these things? One at a time, and a lot of demand, right? So I yeah. think that. Um, we're very much a piece of the whole inbound marketing methodology. So we're not cold calling people, sending cold emails, knocking on doors, making people buy encyclopedias. If that's even a relevant analogy anymore. Hopefully there are people old enough listening to know what I'm talking about, but we used to have these books and they were called encyclopedias and people would update them every year and try to make us part with a lot of money. In any case, so I think that, so a lot of people see us in the news cycle. So if you're in XYZ industry and you're, you're Googling whatever kind of, industry or you're reading trade publications, you're reading business publications or anything out there, you'll just see our work in the wild. You'll see it going viral and social and different languages all over the place. So it's hard, but I think, I think it really, Dean, speaks to creativity. So a lot of people, when they're kids, and I, I love talking about this because I'm so passionate about it. 
everybody, when you were a kid, I guarantee you, you may not remember, but you were creative. Everybody was a painter, you were a singer, you were a poet, you were a builder, you raced around little trucks and played with dolls and you did all these things. And then let's say you start hitting 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, you're getting kicked out of the house, you're going to college, you're going to trade schools, you're doing whatever. Mom and dad or your influence or your guidance counselor and all this, everybody's like, hey, little Johnny, it's nice that you want to be creative, but there's no money in that. Go be a project manager, go be a lawyer, (laughs) go be a chemical engineer. And it's like, it just gets beat the heck out of you. What the heck, people? Listen, creativity pays the bills too. So much like what you're saying, Dean, people are like, how can you do yet another thing about business or yet another thing about finance or yet another thing about cryptocurrency? Because we're a wellspring of ideas. We're never going to run out of ideas because creativity is a muscle. And if you're using it every day, you can be unmatched on a world level at really coming up with creative, amazing ideas Plus, remember, we're talking to the press, so we know what the press wants, and at the same time, we're good at coming up with creative ideas. So we're able to make matches for clients and get even just obscure, not big name clients into crazy publications, and they're like, how did you even do that? It's like, because we're talking about things that people care about, not just yet another one-sheet commercial piece of garbage that you might have just wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's huge. And I think one of the things, you know, because we've taught a lot of classes on most everything, I think, except infographics. But if I even go back to basics and talk about blogging, that's infogra- you know, information. It's not infographic. But we'll say, like, you know, take take what your audience is interested in and attach it to something popular. And And what's interesting is when I started looking at you, I go, oh my gosh, he got into this crypto work too and this blockchain stuff and I had to learn about it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, is is that just because it was too hot not to or did people approach you? I mean, how did you decide to to get into that, you know, and, and make that shift? Sure. Right. So a lot of times I don't really decide to go into an industry. A lot of people are like, how can you even make money just doing one thing? And they look at me suspiciously, like I'm looking right now, like, oh, what, are you, what are you doing there? And it's like, you're understanding what I do all wrong. I am everybody's 1%, right? Like I'm the secret weapon to getting all the press and getting the attention and explaining stuff better and having giant posters of what you do in the background and all that, right? right? That's what it's about. So in terms of crypto, blockchain, Bitcoin, whatever word you understand, I would say we've been doing them as early as probably about four years ago. Uh, it was not anywhere near as interesting to the world back then. Uh, the prices weren't where they were at. So it wasn't taking up the majority of our time. And I would say nothing, no single industry really takes up the majority of our time. But uh, I would say, especially over the last year, crypto, ICOs, all that kind of stuff has gone off the charts popular because those guys need help like nobody else's business. Because you have an industry that has made overnight billions and billions of dollars. And if you've watched, because there have been plenty of bad actors, which you could say about any industry, oh, yeah. really. Right. But there, there have been some bad actors that really were just cash grab and run and just total spammers, Ponzi schemes and whatnot, to the extent that you have Google, Facebook, Twitter, even Reddit, for crying out loud. Yeah, All right. of them are banning, straight out banning advertisements. So even if you're a legit company and you've got you know, all sorts of amazing investors, advisors, great pedigree, great idea that's solving real, real world challenges, doesn't even matter. It's just your band. So you have all these people with tons of money that are bad at explaining things, that talk all about crazy technical language and finance language that nobody understands with money that they can't even spend in advertising. 
<laughs> so oh, like, it was just, it was a natural fit for all the kind of stuff that we do. So we're like a godsend to a lot of the ICO. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to speak in stupid acronyms. ICO means initial coin offering. For those of you who, we're not going to just run over with terminology. So imagine if you wanted to take your startup public and make an IPO, initial public offering into Wall Street. Here, the equivalent of that is you have an initial coin offering. So you make your investment available to the world through tokens, if you will, in that whole crypto world. I like to explain things like they're five, even if you know nothing about what I just said, at least conceptually that makes sense. So hopefully that works. Well, and that's, it, it sounds like you have a good, um, I'm a systems guy, so I'm going to call it system, not to be jargony, but a good system, no, a good system for infographics. And that sort of happened to us accidentally is I came out of Merrill Lynch, I focused on uh, financial banking and all the, and, and I was in all those same boardrooms. When they go, uh, kid, you don't understand banking. We're always going to be on the corner and that online stuff won't work and blah, blah, blah. And then lo and behold, now all the banks have woken up, the boards have changed and now we're doing work with banks. It took like 10 years, but so I, I took a step back and a little self-reflection and I'm looking at, you know, we're working with GE and then we'd get, you know, cut because the budget would get cut in, you know, uh, you know, just call it GE capital, you know, cause that sort of went by the wayside. And then I'm like, yep. wait a minute. And so I asked my, my guy in, inside GE, I go, well, what industries are, do have budget? I said, cause I'm tired of hearing they ran out of budget or we signed this contract and this mm -hmm. is you know, working with right. big companies. So, um, so that's how I wind up getting served into healthcare and power and energy, which uh, quite honestly, I know very little about, but we built sort of a core system in social selling and influencer development that it doesn't matter that, that all we have to do is learn, you know, 10% because you're the subject matter expert and we have the core system. So I'm guessing that infographics works somewhat like that, right? Yeah, so I think it's been an evolution over the last decade. So when we were first doing it, again, kind of like my reaction in the early days of social, it's like, what the heck is this? Why do I need, like, I'm going to need an infographic for my company? Come on, like, my one sheet, my white paper, my blah, 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 does just fine. So I'm used to that. I'm usually pretty much like a, a futurist when it comes to what people are going to want on the web or tech next. So I'm always kind of thinking about what's going to happen next. So it right. started off earlier on that different kinds of sales or marketing parts of the company would have to pull budget from other line items. Nowadays, at least some companies, not everybody, uh, has at least done their first infographic. Most people have heard of it. Most people don't understand how deep it can go and how much we can kind of do from end to end. And it's not just do it yourself, you know, you don't build your own car. You don't build your own house. Don't build your own infographic, people. Come on, seriously. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot to it to make. I mean, if we're an entire company that's been doing it for a decade, I'm pretty sure we don't sit around and twiddle our thumbs, right? So there's a lot that goes to it. So yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah, and so then, um, so I'm curious, how many people uh, that that are on live with us today, how many people have done an infographic or had one done for your company? Just give us a yes or no inside the uh, chat box there. Um, and it seems like, um, yeah, so it's a, a lot of no's and a couple of yeses. So that's what I always assume is that <clears throat> some people do the one and done or, or you know, um, so I guess from being an expert, how many, how many infographics does it take to get it right? And like you said, there's no recipe for viral. So maybe give us some tips on how to approach it or how to think about it. Mm -hmm. Sure. So I don't think you have to do lots and lots of them to get it right. I think it all has to do with before everybody 
like you said, you like to talk about systems. I think a lot of people try to dig into solutioning and try to fix everything before thinking about things correctly. So before you get ahead of yourself and you figure out what publications or what it should look like and all of that, take a second, breathe deeply, understand that there's a big world outside your four walls and we need to think abstractly. We need to think about how to plug things in to as many different kinds of publications as possible, right? So if you're into crypto and finance, just getting something on yet another crypto site isn't that big a deal. But to get it into some of the top tier press of the world where you're going to be seen by everybody because the crypto world is still very narrow, that's harder. So how do we make things interesting to lots of different kinds of people, lots of different kinds of publications, lots of different kinds of media editors? That's what we should be thinking about. How can you make an infographic that five years later people are still going to want to look at that's evergreen as possible? How do you make something that's such a good concept and such a good idea, even if you don't understand the English language and you only speak Portuguese, I'm just throwing some language out there. If you only speak Portuguese, you don't know a lick of English and you just look at the thing, you could be like, ah, this is amazing, I get it, and I kind of just go ahead and translate it. Those are the kinds of keystone, cornerstone ideas that I think people should have and spend much more time in the, the creative thought process. And most people run right over that. They're just like, nope, we're just gonna you know, visualize this white paper, this study, and it's like, no, why? What's the purpose of it? Just to kind of summarize something, you're missing it, right? You can pull a key stat out of something and make something amazing. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Alex on Twitter uh, chimed in and said, do you have a, a map or a recipe for making an infographic and how do you plan it out? I don't know if you have anything like that on your website, um, but um, – but anyway, just uh, want to throw that out there. And uh, I think I mentioned nowsourcing.com as your website, and I'm sure there's all kinds of cool uh, access to things there as well. Oh, for um, sure. I'll go, I would say um, maybe in the show notes, I can go through some different infographics. Because if you just go to our site and go to the portfolio, you could go down rabbit holes forever. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there, there's definitely some things that we do where we kind of show the power of infographics and outperforming over certain other kinds of media. Uh, I don't think that just giving you a step-by-step -step process is going to be enough because I really think that it's good to do experts like, you know, don't operate on yourself, go get a surgeon. So I think that um, certainly it's worth having a conversation with people of expertise. Yeah. And now Lori chimes in. Is there, is there, is it possible to have too much information that, you know, that, that like overloading an infographic? I've seen some that just go on forever and then I get lost into what it was really about. So. Yeah. It, there's definitely a point where people do not know how to summarize. So sometimes I look at these infographics and it's hilarious. You'll read like a sub point and it'll have like three paragraphs with bullet points and stuff. It's like, this isn't a blog post. That kind of content <laughs> goes on the blog or right. can go around the infographic. So absolutely, you can easily go way too heavy-handed with that. I would say a good rule of thumb is probably to have a good three to four minute reading length when it comes to the overall infographic. It was consumed top to bottom. Ah, I never knew that. So three to four minute reading length. Is that if you're a speed reader or a slow reader? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say average, but not too slow and not to overanalyze everything, but to consume everything because not everything's reading and some things are looking at more abstract or charts or something to that extent. So we then we overdo it. We like to talk people away from that for sure. Great question. Yeah. Julie, one of our uh, uh, folks on here asks, uh, do you get your stuff copywritten because it has other people's stuff in there, but the creation is yours or now sourcing, right? 
Right. So we don't put a copyright all rights reserved on it because that would mean that our media partners and places that we're getting influence for would not be able to run it because that would be a copyright uh, that people can't use it. So people have the ability and the right as long as they're using attribution to use our work because that's how it works. I don't yeah. believe that it's necessary to have the level of creative commons because quite honestly, people don't understand that. So we just basically put on there that you're free to use it as long as you're sharing it and linking it and attributing it. However, we also police our work a lot and for our clients. So we'll do reverse image searches because sometimes people get cute and they do things like steal things that don't belong to them. And it's like, knock, knock, hi, um, I'm, I'm glad you like the work, please attribute it or else you're basically stealing. We've even had people where they'll change the bottom of the infographic and take off the client and put somebody else's name. And it's like, that's called theft. I don't even yeah, understand right. what you're doing. Right, that's exactly. a whole other level of crazy. And then, you know, sometimes you have to get the lawyers involved or DCMA takedowns. That's a whole, probably a whole other hour. But uh, definitely there's, there's a lot to be said for copywriting. We actually just did a, a really great piece about image theft, which I'll have to share with you guys. That oh, I think, yeah. uh, would, would clear up a, a lot of misunderstandings about the space because you don't just say, I found it in Google. That's not a legal defense. Sorry, guys. Right. <laughs> nice try. So is that how, um, you know, like with the New York Times, Forbes, and Mashable, is that how you got their attention? Did you quote the, or did you use them as a source or uh, was that more of a relationship? Uh, find or both? Yeah. So, I mean, we're in those and many other places of press. Um, so some places are from my early social days, some places I've written for. I've act I used to actually write for Mashable a number of years ago. Um, some things, uh, if you just hit a viral trend or something that people are interested in, I think there is no publication on earth that you can't reach, right? So I right. think that it's really, it's thinking about how to, instead of just reach everybody, sometimes it's how do you reach one, right? People don't think like that. People yeah. think that if I just make something and maybe 1% of people will get it, then I'll be fine. That's a great way to knock, just knocking yourself out of business. So sometimes you really have to be creative. Sometimes it's worth getting the attention of an individual. So in the past, we have illustrated specific people to get their attention. That works really great. When you have an infographic yeah. company, you're able to pull off chops like that. Yeah, that's a <clears throat> that's awesome. And our, uh, like I said, we do a lot of influencer marketing and influencer development. We're like, well, run with other influencers or people that are playing at a higher level, and most people will bring you up with them. You know, it's like you know, just sort of how the world seems to function. And I I don't know if it's if it's different uh, by industry, but we just noticed that you know it used to be well, and I can say back in the day with you, so. Uh, back in the day with tech, you know, I used to be involved with CA and all the you know, IBM and Dell yeah, when they first right. started and everything was hoarding and secretive. You know, it was like, it was always like, you know, this is my code, my secret recipe. Nobody can know right. about it until I either die or it gets to market, <laughs> you know, and a lot of, and we used to say a lot of good shelfware out there in the world. And then nowadays it feels like with lean startup and everything, it's like, the faster you get the information out there, the more successful you're going to be. Do you agree with it? Yeah, and I do. I think that the world has become much faster and more transparent. I don't know about you, man, but if I want a product or service and I go to somebody's website, if I go to the about page, if I go to the contact page, if I can't find some of the people that are behind it or some level of story about what they're about, I'm gone, right? Like none, no more of this crap where it's like, don't worry, our team is great. We have 100 years of experience, but we're too scared to actually say who works here. 
I don't know. Like, what is that? It just seems like it's a front for something. I, I don't go for that kind of stuff. So I think that that really says a lot, a lot of transparency. I'm really a big fan of the highly visible CEO, a lot of personal brand, personal influence. Like you'll constantly see me doing little short yeah. videos on LinkedIn. It's such a power platform for everybody. And you don't have to be the CEO. You can be the janitor. It doesn't matter like where you are. Right. Honestly, if you're the founder or CEO, guess what? You also are the janitor of somebody else's <laughs> problem, right? Because the buck stops here. Clean so up. yeah, I think that, you know, it's interesting. Influence is such an interesting industry, influence as itself, but I think every industry has its own influencers, right? So even B2B tech has the movers and shakers. Everybody has their own language, their own little cults, their own little secret private jokes, whether we're talking about crypto, whether we're talking about big tech, it's all over the place. Um, I'll have to also share with you guys, we did a, a really fascinating influencer piece that I think y'all will like quite a bit. Yeah, that's um, <clears throat> that's. I think uh, Kate might have even featured you a few weeks ago, uh, or before we even knew we were having you on, and that's how we discovered that we should have you on. So it was like, you know, uh, again, right. always trying to feature, uh, uh, you know, a piece that makes sense for our audience and how they can build their influence, and best practices right. and and all that good stuff. So. Uh, super cool. Well, um, so I always wonder, like, you know, in this business, you meet a lot of cool people, especially in marketing and, and all the digital marketing oh, yeah. shows. Um, so who are some of the people that you think, you know, you look up to that are good marketers that maybe inspire you to do some things? People always like to know that from our program. Sure. So that, that's a great question. I think there's there's so many interesting people to follow. I almost don't even know where to begin. Um, <laughs> I, I really, I, I, I'm a big fan of people, some people who've been around quite a long time. Um, I think Seth Godin is particularly pretty fascinating. Yeah. He's written tons of different books. Um, Malcolm Gladwell, I think, has a really interesting storytelling kind of pulse when it comes to things. I think there's a, a tremendous amount of people on LinkedIn. If you follow a lot of people on there, people like Michaela Alexis, Goldie Chan, they're great, uh, inspiring folks and just really cool to collaborate with. Um, I often bring up, this is kind of a different name, John Acuff, I think is really oh. personally pretty fascinating. Yeah. He wrote a, a fantastic book called Quitter, not Twitter, but Quitter, like I quit. And I think so many people kind of going back to like starting businesses, I think it's so important that people don't just like give up on their day job so that they can start <clears> their <throat> dream. Right. Sometimes it's not for you and sometimes you gotta kind of let it blossom over time, right? So I think right. those are definitely a, a lot of interesting folks. Um, I really like uh, the Bad Crypto podcast. is really interesting with uh, Joel Com, right? Travis, right? That's really interesting. They kind of started it like maybe a year ago, and like they did it because they thought that it was important to kind of have just somebody who kind of speaks English about all this stuff because like so many people don't want to look stupid. So that's unfortunate, right? That everybody kind of talks and babble of finance and tech. So I like those kinds of things. I really enjoyed podcasts like that. So, yeah, Julie. Uh, Julie chimed in that Malcolm has a new book on how to write. So maybe that's one worth uh, noting, because <clears throat> we can always use a few extra tips on that for sure. Um, so uh, you know, just maybe in uh, two minutes or less, what do you see for the future? You know, like five years from now, just crazy into the future. You know, based on what how you know how you got here. Yeah, great question. So I often tell people that as much as we're in the infographics industry, I like to spend a lot of my time on research and development personally and professionally. So I find myself being in the what do people want in three to five years department. <laughs> 
So I've geeked out a lot in the world of virtual and augmented reality. I think hopefully within the next five years, the way that we do business will be a lot different. Instead of using stupid phones and computers and desktops and laptops and pads and all this, I think that we'll hopefully start approaching more of a singularity of devices and we'll be able to wear a lot of the way that we use tech with more tactile in our hands, broadcasting right. things out onto augmented screens, augmented upon the reality that we are. So there are some promising technologies and companies that are starting to make some moves on that. I'm very hopeful for that. I've become very fascinated over the last year or two with the world of not just cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, but the underlying blockchain technology and yes. some of the problems that that technology can solve in immutable records. And I won't try to talk tech babble, but really to be able to make uh, contracts or handshakes, if you will, in the, even in the absence of trust without knowing everything about people, to truly be peer-to-peer -peer where we don't need all the middlemen that we have used for so long that I think we are able to decentralize a lot of things for the better in everything from real estate to finance to healthcare. There's people that are really getting on there doing a lot of very cool stuff. I have a, a really good TED talk by Don Papscott that I think kind of speaks in plain English. Uh, he's written some really authoritative books. He was actually one of the keynote speakers when I was just a couple of weeks ago in Consensus in New York City. So I'll, I'll be sure to share that with the audience as well. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And then uh, <clears throat> I just want to thank you for being on with us. You are uh, amazing wealth of knowledge. I've got so many notes here. I, I've got at least sure. two, two blogs coming up. And uh, if I don't, if you don't mind, I'll mention you and uh, those, of course. Yeah, for sure. Your work. So we're going to bring, uh, we're going to launch a quick poll here and uh, bring uh, Kate and Jackson uh, back out to close it out. And then Kate, what I'd like to do is get uh, one winner off of social media today and then Jackson picks somebody out of the audience that you think really uh, nailed it. So, um, and on the screen here we have, if um, people are interested in growing their influence further, uh, obviously we want to encourage you to contact our uh, guest, uh, Brian at nowsourcing.com. And uh, Brian, I'm sure it's okay if everybody connects to you on, um, uh, connects to you on, uh, on LinkedIn and other social media, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. Since I have one of the most common names in the freaking world, <laughs> there's like hundreds of thousands of people named Brian Wallace, which I guess is kind of good for the age of the internet, which the internet's sometimes kind of creepy place. So if you just look for the, the handle now sourcing, you'll usually find me on most social profiles. Definitely connect on LinkedIn. If you're not doing stuff on LinkedIn, uh, you're probably getting left out of most conversations in business. It's 550 million people that do business on there. Uh, you probably want to do it. And I see you're having my buddy Aaron on next. So he and I, Oh, you know, Aaron. Okay, cool. yes, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you'll see on the influencer piece, uh, he and I uh, spent a lot of time doing some really interesting stuff and that was on Mashable and all sorts of different places. I noticed you guys were both uh, contributors in uh, similar places. And as I was, you know, putting this together, I was like, wow, they probably, they probably have had to bump into each other a couple of times. But yeah, no, I didn't realize you guys actually knew each other. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. More than bump. We collaborate and talk a lot. Great guys. That's awesome. Cool. So yeah, everybody, that'll be uh, next week's guest if you're listening or if you're listening to the recording, Aaron uh, Orendorf of uh, Shop, uh, Shopify Plus. Uh, so uh, one of the top content marketers of our time. So very cool guy. He's the one that um, had that viral blog that they crashed a conference. A oh, networking right. event, yeah. So we're really excited <laughs> to hear his tips on that. With all these conferences nice. and networking events happening, that's awesome. Yeah. 
Why not? All right. So with 60 seconds to go, type in really quick. What's one thing that Brian mentioned that you are going to walk away with today and put into action right now? So type that in as fast as you can. And then, uh, again, don't forget about our events. Watch for the follow-up um, email uh, from uh, today. And then uh, Brian's going to have uh, other cool things that we're going to put into play and, and things that you can use and things like that. So, Jackson, who's our uh, online winner? Uh, Shirley Hogsett. So, oh, nice. Yeah, Shirley. What her first day well, back? First, too. Yeah, her first time back in quite some time, and she she killed it. So, nice job, right. nice job. So, Kate, who's on social media? Shirley. Um, Shali Hakimian oh. on Twitter. I oh, think good. She's a new follower. Yeah. All right, cool. Awesome. Yeah, congratulations. So we'll make sure that they get their Starbucks gift cards. And remember, we want you to take somebody from social media to face-to-face. -face. Use that Starbucks gift card to build a relationship and then tell us about the success that comes from that. So please be sure to do that. That's part of your journey. Uh, engagement and connecting and being face-to-face -face is all part of marketing and conversion. So please remember that. Brian, again, it was amazing having you on. Thank you so much. And again, at Now Sourcing, I think they can find you on most channels, right? So uh, they'll get you, you to rock and roll. And uh, we'll have you back again. And like I said, I'm going to talk to you offline about the crypto and blockchain conferences and all these things that we're doing. I'm yeah. sure a ton of good collaboration here. So, Absolutely. Would love to all chat. Right. Yeah. Outstanding. All right, everybody. Thank well, thank you, you so for much. joining us. Yep. And uh, we'll uh, see everybody online building their influence. And again, get with Brian if you need some infographics done because we know he can do it right. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you online. Take care, folks. Bye. Bye. See you guys. Thank you.